And uh, like I sh- shared a few minutes ago, we are uh, looking at the book of Lamentations. Uh, you might want to try to turn there. You m- may be wondering where Lamentations is at. If you if you go to the center of your Bible, you'll find Psalms. And if you'll go to the right of that, uh, you'll find Proverbs. And uh, you'll come to the major prophets, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Right after Jeremiah is this little book of five chapters, Lamentations. And uh, that's where we're going to be camping out for the next uh, five weeks. And I know those of you who ha- are, your Bible is on a device, you don't have any problem finding the book of Lamentations, I'm sure. But uh, we are going to be looking at God's attributes over the next five weeks. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at his, at his holiness and what this means. Um, and uh, next week we'll be looking at God's mercy followed by goodness, patience, and grace, and we see these in the book of uh, Lamentations. But today is holiness. God is altogether holy and righteous in all things. And when we look at his holiness, we know that uh, God cannot stand sin. God hates sin. And God is going to show his wrath towards sin. And uh, for those who don't know, don't, don't know God, don't know Jesus, uh, the, the judgment of God, the wrath of God against sin is a very offensive subject. And it's a barrier to people coming to uh, faith uh, in Christ. Uh, they just can't comprehend a loving God sending people to hell. If God is a God of love, he wouldn't do such a thing. A loving God wouldn't do that. But God hates sin, the Bible says. And he is fierce um, towards those who try to trample his words and despise his grace. And when they can't tolerate a God who is judgmental, is, who's wrathful against sin, they project that towards his followers as well. The, they don't want to be a tolerant of a God who doesn't accept all people. And uh, if God is that way, well, his followers must be that way as well. And so they don't want to have anything to do with them. And that's the culture that we live in today. And how do we reconcile that as believers? You know, we must not be tolerant of sin. We must uh, uh, speak the truth in love. But how how do we relate uh, to people who are who claim to be tolerant, who pride themselves in their tolerance, but are intolerant towards God's followers? And how are His children to um, respond uh, in? In kind, and that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit this morning. I'm going to try to answer that question at the conclusion of this message, but uh, you're going to deal with that more in your life group uh, this week. So uh, I look forward to uh, opportunity with uh, with our life group to talk more about this subject. <clears throat> but the question is this morning: Is God right in His justice? 
Is he right in his justice? And uh, Lamentations uh, answers that question in chapter 1 this morning. As we look at Lamentations, um, Lamentations is written by Jeremiah at the fall of Jerusalem. It was probably written around 586 B.C., Um, The city of Jerusalem uh, has been captured by the Babylonians and many have been carried off to to Babylon. The temple has been destroyed. Uh, Jeremiah had prophesied all these things in, in his book and other prophets as well. And, uh, and so Jeremiah writes, uh, these lamentations. And, uh, they are, it's a poem. And it is written primarily from the perspective of the city of Jerusalem. And so I want us to kind of camp out uh, this morning on verses 12 through 18. And uh, I would like to read that for us this morning now. Chapter 1, verse 12. This is the, this is Jeremiah writing through um, the heart of the city of Jerusalem. It is nothing to you, all of you who pass by. Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high he sent fire into my bones. He made it descend. He spread his, his net for my feet. He turned me back and he left me stunned, faint, all the day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke. By his hand they were fastened together and they were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fall and the Lord gave me into the hands of those who I cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in his midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden me as a winepress, the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me, one to receive my spirit. My children are desolate for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. And the Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become filthy among them. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But here all you peoples, and see my suffering. My young women, my young men have gone into captivity. Is God right in pouring out his wrath, his judgment upon the Jews, Israel, the apple of his eye? Is he right in pouring out his judgment on them? And the writer says in verse 18, The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. The answer to that question is yes. And as we look at verses 12 through 18, 
you'll find that it is the Lord that is doing the inflicting upon his people. And why is he doing this? Because they have rebelled against God. And God had warned the children of Israel before they had entered the promised land, around 1400 B.C., that if you embrace the gods of uh, the people around you, if you begin to worship them, I am going to pronounce judgment on you. And that is exactly what took place. As they entered the promised land, the, this book is written in 586 B.C. It's now 800 years later. And God is following through on his words. You can, you can look at uh, Moses' words, God's words through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 27 through 32. And God says, if you go there, this is what I do. And now we see Jeremiah in chapter 1 saying, is the Lord right? And he says, yes, he is, because we have rebelled against his word. You know, culture today prides itself on tolerance. And they want to believe in a God who is all about love and will embrace everyone. And when they hear um, the God of the Bible, they conclude that That can't be a God of love. A God of love would never send people to hell. And yet this is what the Bible is clear of of who God is. As we read his worth, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is a God of love and God is also a God of justice. And if you try to dissect one or the other, You don't have God. And so this morning, I want to answer the question, why is God right in his judgment? We all love the love of God, but what about the wrath of God? Why is the wrath of God so important to us as believers, as followers of Christ? Because God is both. And so let's answer that this morning. Why is God's why is God right in his judgment? Number 1. If God is not just, sin runs rampant. If there are no laws, if there's no authority, we have nothing but chaos. And And our culture today understands justice. And that justice is important. You know, recently there was a a student uh, at Stanford University who had uh, uh, raped a girl. And uh, he was convicted. And the uh, judge sentenced this student to six months in jail. When, when people found out he was sentenced to six months in jail, they became irate at the judge. 
because the, ju- the, the sentence was way too light. And they felt like if the, if, because the sentence was way too light that people wouldn't take it seriously and it would just encourage more behavior. And there was a petition that went around and 1.2 million people signed that petition um, wanting this judge to be dismissed. And why were they so angry? Because they wanted justice. Our culture, our society knows how important justice is because if there's no justice... Sin is going to run rampant. And that's what's happened to the people of Israel. They have not taken God's word seriously. And God gave them over to the desires of their heart. And they have suffered the consequences of their choices. And now God is pronouncing judgment. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 27 in particular, God warns Moses, don't do these things. And the people all agreed, we will not, amen. This is who you are, God. This is how we are going to live our lives. And yet they didn't follow through on their commitment. And now they are paying serious consequences for their sin. And God must pronounce judgment on his people to to let them know that he has particular standards. And if he doesn't enforce those standards, life runs amok. Chaos happens. And so God's pronounces judgment. God is a just God to keep people in check. Number two, why is the justice of God so important and right? It's because God made the rules. He is the creator of life. He has set the standard. And if we don't live according to his standards... Things don't work well. I think there's a couple playoff games on today. I hear that the Cowboys are playing the Green Bay Packers. You know, there's going to be the two teams on that field, but then there's going to be some guys in striped uniforms um, making sure that the game is run properly. What if those, those men, the referees on that field, had a certain set of rules for the Dallas Cowboys and a different set of rules for the Green Bay Packers. Would that game work very well? Would be people be pleased? Probably not. They want the game called fairly by both sides. And, you know, people who had designed the game of football, they came up with these rules that this is how the game is meant to be played. And if you go off, if you, if you do something else rather, other than those rules, you're going to have nothing but chaos. It's going to be a joke. Well, mom and dad, boys and girls, God created the rules. When God gave us his standards for life, 
he was revealing his love and nature and who he is, but he gave us these rules to bless our lives, to protect our lives. And when we go outside the rules that he has laid down for us, we experience consequences. We we go out from underneath his protection. God didn't give us the, these rules because he wants us to he wants us to live back, backward unhappy lives. He gave us these rules to protect us. And we see these rules in the 10 commandments. He made the rules. And Judah rebelled against those rules. The third reason why God gives us um, God's justice standards are right is because he loves us. He loves us. The book of Lamentations is a book of God's judgment. It's a, it's it's people crying out to Him, experiencing the 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 wrath of God in their life. But He has brought this on His people, not because He hates them, but because He loves them. And I know that this sounds um, contradictory. But we do the same thing as parents, don't we? With our children. We don't discipline our children because we hate them. We discipline our children because we love them. We want them to grow up to be um, people who respect others, who obey authority, who who aren't jerks. You know, get a, get along with others in life, not be selfish, but be kind to others. And when we see behavior that's not appropriate, we discipline them not because we hate them or want to make their life miserable, but because we love them. God disciplines his children because he loves you as well. There was a um, time in our early in our marriage where... Um, Susan and I had a weak moment, and uh, we got a cat. <laughs> Don't tell me why. You know why did we get a cat? We it was a weak moment. But uh, while we had this cat in our home, uh, this cat's um, food dish and water dish were on the floor. And um, one of my four children, who will remain nameless. When uh, they began to crawl, they discovered the cat dish. And there was some dry cat food uh, in the cat dish. And that little crawler went over that cat, cat, cat food dish and started eating the cat food. Enjoying the cat food. And... Susan and I, we were appalled, and we run over there, and we begin to pry the cat food out of her. Oh, no, this. Okay, so. Okay, so now we're down to fifty percent of one of our children. Prying the cat food out of her mouth, and they begin to cry. They don't. 
don't take the cat food out of my mouth. I like this cat food. But why did we want to take the cat food out of her mouth? Because we didn't want her to turn into a cat. (laughs) Cat food isn't healthy for that child. We love this child. And that wasn't good for her. When God pronounces judgment, when God disciplines his children, he does it because of love. Some people say, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath, but I like the Jesus of the New Testament because he's He's the God of love. God's character of who he is, both a, a God of justice and a God of love, is consistent in both the Old and the New Testament. Jesus was one who pronounced condemnation on other people. We're not going to go there this morning, but you can go to Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 30. He had some very strong words for some people who ignored the word of God. And then he turned to to those who loved and were following him, and he had words of grace for them. But we see both sides of the nature of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Go to Psalm chapter 145 this morning. Psalm 145, and let me just read verses 17 through 21 this morning. Psalm 145. Psalm says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. God is a God of justice because if he isn't, sin is going to run Amok. God is a God of justice this morning, church, because he set the rules. He made the rules. He gave us a standard to reveal who he was, to know, let us know what his expectations for our lives are. And these are rules that are for all time, for all people. Throughout all of history, God is consistent. God never changes. And what was good for the the children in the Old Testament is good for us today. He makes the rules because he is the creator of all things. And without his justice, he wouldn't be a God of love. He disciplines because he loves us, just like we discipline our children because we love them. He knows what's best, 
And then the fourth reason why God is a God of justice is because without his judgment, we can't be saved. We can't be saved without his judgment. Only his wrath upon himself can save us. And church, this is the picture of the cross. The cross is the ultimate expression of his love for us. The cross is the ultimate picture of how seriously he takes sin by punishing himself. And had not God poured out his wrath upon himself in the person of Jesus Christ, if God wasn't wrathful towards his son, Jesus taking his our sin upon himself, if that did not take place, we could not be saved. God is just because his wrath saves us from our sin. And as we look at lamentations and as we look at the, the lamenting, the crying out to God for the consequences of their sin, this is a backdrop. This is a foreshadow of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus was sinless. He lived the perfect life, but he put, he allowed all of our sin to be placed upon us, the Bible says. And he took the punishment for our sin. And the punishment was so severe, the Bible says that God turned his back. God the Father turned his back on the Son. The Son was eclipsed. Everything went black. And as Jesus was dying for our sin, Jesus cried out. He lamented to his Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lamentations is the backdrop of what Christ has done for us. God can't be just a God of love. We like that part. The culture around us likes that part. But they are not tolerant of a God of justice and wrath. But if you don't believe in a God who is both just and loving, you don't know God. And church, we need to be thankful for the justice of God. Because without his justice, we would still all be lost in our sin. God is right. And so what's the application for us this morning from Lamentation chapter 1? Number one, if, if you are here this morning and you've been 
rebelling against God. You you have not been taking him seriously at his word and and life isn't going well for you right now. The application for you this morning is you need to lament over your sin. That's what the city of Jerusalem is doing in lamentations. And and this lamentations isn't just a, a negative downer book, but it is a reminder that it's good to lament over sin. Because God's judgment isn't the end of the story. If we choose to repent, if we choose to do what's right, guess what? God restores. God forgives. God is a God of love and redeems. And he will begin to make things right in your life. But you've got to come clean with God. And realize the errors of your ways. And God's standard, God's expectations are only there to bless you. But you gotta pay attention to them. You know, I, I love this this weight loss journey that Susan and I have been been on for over a year now. But you know, it hasn't gone well the last three months. And as you can tell, it hasn't gone well the last three months. You know, I was going to bring some scales with me this morning, but you know what scales look like. Those scales haven't been my friend. You know, I, I've been disobedient in my, um, in, <clears throat> in my diet. And I know I've been disobedient. And because I've been disobedient, guess what? I haven't wanted to go to the scale. I haven't wanted to see the truth. And so I ignore that. But you know what? The scale can be my friend. It can show me where I'm at and what I need to do differently. My wife is a great accountability partner, and she reminds me that I need to be checking out the scale. And I know when she's going to be asking me that question, and before she can get the whole sentence out, I say no. But you know, when I'm obeying... When I'm doing doing the right thing, eating the right things, and exercising the way I'm, I should be doing, it's easier to go to the scale. It's easier to see my progress. And maybe you're here this morning, and you've been ignoring the words of these books of this of this book, the Bible. And you haven't wanted to know the truth, but now you are suffering the consequences of not listening to the truth. This book wants to be your friend. It wants to help you get on the right path. Lamenting is good over sins because it's it's the beginning of hope. And so just let me encourage you 
to lament. Guys, if you've been feeling beat up for a while, or even if you just want some more encouragement in your life, let me encourage you to come to the men's conference uh, the first weekend of February. We need to be reminded and encouraged in what God wants us to do, who God wants us to be. And this conference is going to be a blessing in your life. You've heard Johnny Hart Hunt say he's been doing this for 25 years at his church in Atlanta, Georgia. They pack the place out every single year. Now this conference is going nationally. This is a great opportunity for us as guys. Let me encourage you to, to sign up uh, in the next two weeks for this conference. It's going to be a blast. You know, when it comes to the lifestyle and doing the right thing and exercising and being accountable, uh, something else that's going on with uh, particularly guys, but uh, ladies, you can join us as well. But uh, I mentioned back over the summer that uh, we are uh, we're going to I I'm hiking Mount Whitney uh, next summer. We've changed the date. It was um, in July on Facebook, but we're going to do August 4th instead. That's uh, very near a full moon, and we're going to do a uh, uh, a moon hike, uh, evening hike, up to uh, the top of Mount Whitney. But there are going to be a lot of preparation um, hikes in, be- in between um, preparing us for Mount Whitney. And uh, you may not want to do Mount, Mount Whitney, but you may just want to be on the excursion and do some of the other uh, hikes. Our first one's going to be at the end of this month, uh, the last Saturday in January. And we're going to start at the bottom of the, the college here, that pathway, and we're going to walk up uh, beyond col- the college to the top of the hill. Um, it's a four-mile trip one way. It'll be eight miles round trip. But it'll be a great time for us as guys to be together and do something together. Uh, and maybe you want to be a part of that. But, you know, I've been lamenting where I, where I am physically. And I need to do something about it. I need accountability with my wife. I need some accountability with some other guys. That's what's going on in my life. But for you, it may be different. But if you haven't been doing what God wants you to be doing, that you need to be doing, lament. To choose to do things differently. Second, you need to fear God. God is a God of justice, and we must understand this this attribute in his life, in, in our lives, because he's holy and we are to fear him. And fearing him is good. It keeps us on the right path. It keeps us doing the right thing. We don't fear God because he may not love us if we disobey. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, Paul, Paul says in Romans chapter 8. But we need to live a life of fear before him in, in worship and adoration of who he is. A healthy 
fear of God is good. Growing up, I feared my mom. You know, I didn't want to disappoint my mom. And I knew that if I would do, would do something that would disappoint, she would kill me. I knew she wasn't really going to kill me. But a healthy fear of my mom kept me out of a lot of things I would have otherwise have gotten into. And I didn't want to disappoint her because I knew my mom loved me. God loves you. And we ought to live our lives in a way that we don't want to discipline him as either. Three, you need to thank Jesus for the cross. Thank God for the cross. What a beautiful picture, expression of his love and his justice. And God took all the punishment upon himself for our sin. That's how much God loves you. And that's how seriously he takes sin. And if he wasn't a God of justice, none of us would be saved this morning. And then finally, when we understand this this God of justice, we need to love the intolerant tolerant. When it comes to society today who can't stand the thought of an intolerant God and they project those same feelings upon his followers, how are we to live? How are we to behave accordingly? Paul tells us in Revelation, Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. If you have your Bibles, we have time. Let me just read Romans chapter chapter 12. And again, your life groups are going to discuss this more this evening. Romans 12, verse 14. How do we live in front of people who hate us? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are to love the intolerant, tolerant. Is It is God who will avenge. It is God who is going to have the final word. We are not to be people who judge the intolerant. Now, we have a responsibility as Christians within the church to keep others, each other in check. But when it comes to the outsider who does not know God, who is intolerant towards us, the Bible says we are to love our enemy. That doesn't mean that in loving them we adopt their lifestyle, that we agree with everything that they do. No. Just be, and we need to convey the message that even though I may disagree with you, I still love you. And that doesn't always come across. Oftentimes we'll just choose to run away from those kinds of people and isolate ourselves from sin. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't approve of sin. Jesus didn't condone sin. He told the the sinful woman, now go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. God is both a God of justice and love. And we must remind ourselves that God is going to have the last word. And until then, we are to be people who represent him in love. Both truth and grace. That was Jesus. And and that's a hard thing to do. And that's why we need to be so dependent upon him. But God's justice is just as important as his love. Because if you try to erase one, that's not God. Let's pray. Lord, for many people, we don't like to be reminded or hear about your justice. But God, your justice is so necessary. And I thank you that Jeremiah knew this and said that you were right. He was to be blamed. But God, that doesn't have to be the end of the story. And if there's someone here this morning who right now is reaping the consequences of their choices, 
it doesn't have to be over for them either. And my friend, if I'm describing you this morning, I just want to encourage you. God's word wants to encourage you. Lament your sin. It's the beginning of healing. If you're here this morning and maybe you've been thrown in the same category as God who was uh, intolerant and 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 not a nice person and you're they don't understand the full nature of God and who you are as a Christian friend I want to encourage you to love your enemy to seek their welfare and not their harm and yes you don't agree with their choices or their lifestyle keep pursuing them keep letting them know that you care because when they come to that dead end they may very well give you a call Father, I thank you for the cross and taking our sin upon yourself, punishing yourself for what we did wrong so that we might have an opportunity to be with you, to be in relationship with you for all eternity. My friend, God did that for you. And if you've never come to Christ in faith, knowing what he did for you on the cross, and now you believe this and you need him in your life, I just want to encourage you right where you are, saying, God, forgive me. Thank you for what you did for me. God put the pieces of my life back together. By faith, I believe you. I believe your promises. Help me to live for you from this point forward. And my friend, if you prayed that prayer, if that's the desire of your heart, you've crossed the threshold of faith. You're no longer just God's creation. Now you're God's child. And he loves you. He wants to help you. Walk with him. Thank you, Father, for the cross and our great salvation and who you are. God, you are holy. You can't tolerate sin and Thank you that you did something about it. No other religion can say what you did. 
you're the only one who confronted sin and conquered it. We thank you, we praise you, and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.